It's the Mal and Mud Podcast, your place for all sports debates. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Mal and Mud Podcast. I'm Zach Mal and Mud along here with Josh Mallet. Josh, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. Nothing much going on, so as we're still in quarantine, but excited for episode 7. We're into our fourth full week, and with the Final Four supposed to be played last weekend, we missed out on what was shaping up to be an exciting March Madness this year. We're turning back the clock to our favorite college basketball memories. So, Josh, we'll start off with this. Who is the best college basketball team you've ever seen? The best college basketball team and the most dominant college basketball team all throughout their run that I've ever seen was the 2017-2018 Villanova Wildcats team. Now, this was a squad that actually did not win the Big East regular season title as Xavier was actually a very good team that year. So they took home the regular season title, but Villanova cruised to the Big East tournament championship and then cruised to being national champions, winning every one of their March Madness games by no less than 12 points. This was a team that was stacked from top to bottom from top to bottom it consisted of five future nba players including jalen brunson mikhail bridges dante divincenzo who was the sixth man of that team amari spellman and eric pascal along with a, another very good contributor on that team phil booth and they also had a couple of good players on that team that were actually bench warmers that became future good villanova players in colin gillespie and jermaine samuel so this was a team that was just loaded from top to bottom cruise to a national championship so this is my most dominant my best college basketball team that i've ever seen i'm going with the kentucky wildcats from 2014 2015 and they had nine nba players on that team they were led by aaron and andrew harrison with carl anthony towns devin booker willie Collie sign Trey Lyles, and Tyler Eulis on that team. They went 18-0 in SEC play. They lost in the Final Four to Wisconsin, that team, with Frank Kaminsky, Nigel Hayes, and Sam Decker, who ended up losing in the Final to Duke. And this Kentucky team was one of the best we've ever seen. And they were just a great team. They could not finish, though, and they're stuck with 38-1 and with that loss in the Final Four. Moving on to the next question. Who is the best college basketball team you never saw? I'll go first. I'm going with the UNLV team from 1989-1990. They were the national champions. They were led by Larry Johnson, grandmama. He averaged 20.6 points per game and 11.4 rebounds per game. They had Stacey Augman and David Butler down low with Larry Johnson and Greg Anthony and Anderson Hunt as guards. And this is the team that beat Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, and the Duke Blue Devils 103-73 to in the national championship that year. They were definitely one of the best college basketball teams of all time and they are my pick for the best college basketball team that I never saw. Who's yours? My now? pick for the college basketball team that I, the best college basketball team that I've never saw, is from 1981-82, the 
uh, UNC Tar Heels. This team was loaded with an incredible big three of James Worthy and Michael Jordan, a couple of future NBA Hall of Famers, as well as another very quality NBA player, future NBA player, in Sam Perkins. And uh, they all three of them averaged around the 15-point 15, uh, 15 mark. Worthy was our leading scorer with 16. Uh, Michael Jordan was only a freshman that year, so he was he didn't yet put up his monster college numbers, but he still averaged a quality 13.5 points. Sam Perkins averaged 14, and unlike the Villanova squad that I was talking about before that cruised to the national t- championship, this team was really tested in every game during their national championship run. Uh, they only they escaped with a victory against James Madison, the number nine seed in the first round, uh, only winning by two. Then they won their next game by five. The following game they won by ten. Then they won by five, and then they eked out a win against Patrick Ewing and Georgetown by one in the national championship game. But from Hall of Famers to quality NBA players, and not to mention the GOAT being on this team and Michael Jordan, this is the best college basketball team that I never got to saw on a team that I certainly wish I had gotten the opportunity to see play. We're moving on to the next question. Who is the most dominant college player you've ever seen? Now, there might be a little bit of recency bias here, but I'm going to go with Zion Williamson. Now, there's no player that I can remember that was as dominant and that created as much buzz as that Zion Williamson did. He just tore the whole league up and was it was just a man playing amongst boys in his only year at college playing for Duke. He averaged 22.5 points and uh, about nine rebounds and two assists, taking home every award that you possibly, basically that you possibly could take home in just his one year in college. He was the NCAA All-Region, the 2018-19 AP Player of the Year, a consensus AA. He won the Wooden Award, the Naismith Award. He was the ACC Player of the Year. He was All-ACC. He was All-ACC Tournament, All-ACC Defense, All-ACC Freshman, the ACC Rookie of the Year, and the ACC Tournament MVP. So this guy accomplished just about all that you could accomplish with the exception of winning a national championship as this Duke squad got knocked out in the Elite Eight that year by Cassius Winston in Michigan State. But he accomplished just about everything that you could accomplish in one year of college and just went from highlight plays and highlight dunks to just bullying people down low. This is the most dominant college basketball player that I could recall ever watching. I'm going with another one and done. I'm going with Anthony Davis, who played on the 2011-2012 Kentucky Wildcats team that won the national championship. He averaged 14.2 points per game and 10.4 rebounds per game in college. He averaged almost five blocks per game that year, and he also won so many awards naismith award wooden award he won sec rookie of the year sec defensive player of the year sec player of the year he led the ncaa in blocks consensus national player of the year consensus first team all-american the ncaa final four most outstanding player and he carried that kentucky team to a national championship with just michael kid gilchrist as the only other notable guy on that team with him he definitely carried that Kentucky team. He is my most dominant college player. Moving on to the next question, and what is the greatest college basketball game you ever watched? I'll go first, and I'm going last year, Duke taking on UCF in the second round of the 2019 March Madness. Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and Cam, Red- Cam Reddish taking on Taco Fall and Aubrey Dawkins. 
and Coach K versus former player Johnny Dawkins, who was a National Player of the Year in 1986. But Zion with an N1 with 14 seconds left, which was Taco Fall's fifth foul of the game. He fouled out, and Zion missed the free throw, but R.J. Barrett was there for the rebound to put it back up, and Duke took a one-point lead with eight seconds left. A last tip rolled around the rim and out as time expired for UCF, and Duke won 77-76. Who is yours? My best game that I've ever watched was an Elite Eight game from last year between Purdue and Virginia. Now, this game was absolutely ridiculous. Virginia ended up being the national champions, but people forget that they were within seconds of being eliminated by the Purdue Boilermakers, led by Carson Edwards. And what made this game so unique was the fact that these teams were absolute polar opposites. Purdue leaned on Carson Edwards, and he was their number one guy, and this team lived and died with him. Virginia, on the other hand, they were such a a well-spread-out team that didn't rely on just one guy, but relied on a bunch of guys, and that's best shown by the stats in this game because Carson Edwards scored 42 points and no other player on Purdue even eclipsed double digits. And on Virginia, uh, they had 10 guys in double digits led by Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, who had 25 and 24 respectively. Now, this game went back and forth as Carson Edwards was going at it with Virginia the the whole entire second half, and down by two with seconds left, Hee Clark chased a ball in the backcourt, threw it up ahead to Mamadi Diakite, who threw up a prayer to tie the game and force overtime, and then completely defeated Purdue, was outscored in overtime by Virginia, 10-5. to So this was just such a, a memorable game, a game that went back and forth, and a game that I'll never forget. We're going to move over to our next question, and Josh, what was the greatest March Madness comeback you've ever seen? The greatest comeback by far that I've ever seen in March Madness history had to have been when Texas A&M shocked the world and Northern Iowa, being down by 12 with 45 seconds left, a comeback fueled by future solid NBA players and Alex Caruso and Daniel House uh, got got easy bucket after easy bucket and forced turnover after turnover, and slowly they creep closer and closer to tie the game at 71 to force overtime. And by the time overtime rolled around, Northern Iowa was just completely defeated and in shock after what just happened as Texas A&M outscored them in OT 9-5 and ended up winning the game in an absolute thriller, 92-88. to Probably the most remarkable comeback in college basketball history as Texas A&M was pretty much dead here in the round of 32 in 2016. And it looked like they had no shot at coming back. And in such a short period of time to do what they did, unbelievable. Yeah, there was none better than the Texas A&M comeback. But I'm going with Nevada over Cincinnati. Number seven, Nevada over number two, Cincinnati in the second round of March Madness 2018. And Nevada was down 22 with 11 minutes left. And Caleb and Cody Martin led the way for Eric Musselman's team. Nevada hit the game-winning bucket with nine seconds left to come back and absolutely shock the world. They won 75-73, to and Cincinnati just couldn't do anything to stop the run that Nevada went on in that game. It was one game that I definitely will remember for a long time. What was the most clutch shot in March Madness that you've ever seen? I'll go first. I'm going with Paul Jesperson of Northern Iowa, 
And the round before they lost to Texas A&M, he hit a shot to beat number six Texas as the buzzer sounded. And it was a half-court heave from Paul Jesperson, banked in off the backboard, and Northern Iowa moved on to the next round. They won 75-72 to in that game. And it was an unbelievable shot and definitely one of the most clutch shots in March Madness of all time. Yeah, my most clutch shot is Chris Jenkins of Villanova in the 2016 national title game against UNC. The stage doesn't get any bigger, doesn't get any brighter than what it was when Jenkins hit that shot. Tie game in the national championship, a three-pointer at the buzzer. People forget that Marcus Page actually hit a ridiculous double-clutch shot, a double-clutch three to tie the game right before Jenkins hit that shot to tie the game at 74, but that's a shot that nobody talks about because of what Jenkins did right after. But this is pretty much what you dream about as a kid, right? Time winding down. Uh, you have the ball in your hands. It's a national championship or it's game seven of the NBA finals and you shoot it at the buzzer to win the game. And that's exactly what Chris Jenkins did. By far the most clutch shot that I can remember in my lifetime. What was your favorite upset in March Madness? Well, this wasn't necessarily my favorite upset because at the time I had Michigan State as my national champion in my bracket. So this uh, this upset really made me upset. As in it was a it was a complete bracket buster. But in hindsight, it was pretty remarkable what Middle Tennessee did. The 15 seeded Middle Tennessee, what they did to dismantle to uh, dismantle one of the national title favorites for that year in two seeded Michigan State led by Denzel Valentine, who was having a monster year to that point. But in this game, Michigan State never got in a groove. And even though it only ended up being a nine-point game, uh, it just seemed as though Middle Tennessee was just completely outplaying Michigan State in every facet of the game, and they were just dominating in every area, led by Reggie Upshaw with 21 points. He really put the exclamation part, uh, point on the victory with an N1 dunk uh, with less than a minute to go that to really – bury the hopes of Michigan State and their fans. And uh, this was a team, Michigan State, that a lot of people picked as their national champion. And one of the most shocking upsets of all time is Middle Tennessee came out of nowhere as a 15 seed to take down Michigan State. I'm going with the biggest upset ever and the one that nobody around the world expected. UMBC taking down Virginia, the first 16 seed, to take down a one seed in March Madness. It was the first round of 2018, and UMBC scored 53 points in the second half after it was 21 all at halftime, and they scored 53 points to Virginia's 33 in the second half. They won 74 to 54. It's the biggest upset by far, and it was not expected ever for a 16 to take down a one. What is the best Cinderella story run in March Madness that you've ever seen? I'll go first. I'm going with the Syracuse Orange in 2016, and nobody expected this team to be in the tournament. They had a bad record, and they didn't deserve to be in the tournament in a lot of people's minds, but they made it all the way to the Final Four, they beat number seven Dayton in the first round. Then they went and beat number fifteen Middle Tennessee State, who beat Michigan State in the first round. They beat uh, number eleven Gonzaga, and then beat number one Virginia to make it to the Final Four, where they lost 
to Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson and the North Carolina Tar Heels. But Michael Zerbinajay averaged 17.5 points per game for the Orange and Malachi Richardson with an unbelievable game against number one Virginia in the Elite Eight. He put up 23 points, but nobody expected this to happen. A 10 seed making it all the way to the Final Four. That was quite a magical run by Syracuse, but I'm going with probably the most magical run of them all, and that was Loyola Chicago in the 2017-2018 season made it all the way to the Final Four. And this was just really a run that nobody saw coming in. I bet you nobody, most people didn't even uh, know Loyola Chicago existed before this run, but th- this was really a school that uh, that needed this type of run and, and really put themselves on the map by making that type of a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And this wasn't a team that was led by, you know, one superstar that was really their true leading scorer. This was a, a well-rounded team that had five guys that averaged in, in double figures. Their leading scorer was Clayton Custer, that aver- he averaged just over 13 points. And in every, it seemed like every game that they took part in in the NCAA tournament, it was just an absolute nail-biter, and it was just much must-watch TV. A buzzer-beater led them to beating Miami, succeeded Miami in the first round, by two, uh, a buzzer beater three, or a buzzer beater uh, jumper rather, to beat Tennessee by one, 63-62. Then a clutch shot late in the game led them to a one-point win against number seven Nevada. Uh, the round after Nevada had that comeback that you were talking about before against Cincinnati, and then they had a very comfortable win against Kansas State, in which they won by 16 to move them onto the Final Four, and that's when they ultimately lost to. Mo Wagner, and a very, very good Michigan team. There was just a magical run that I'm sure nobody would ever forget. And it was It's amongst the, the leaders in most unexpected, most magical Cinderella stories in March Madness history. Over to our next question. Josh, if you could travel back in time, which college basketball moment <laughs> would you go to see? Hands down, I would 100% be traveling back to see the buzzer-beating shot that Christian Leitner hit in the Elite Eight in 1992, Duke versus Kentucky. This is just such a special game for many reasons. A game that Duke won 104-103 to in overtime. The game was going back and forth throughout its entirety. And a clutch shot after clutch shot, it all came down to a full-court pass that Grant Hill had to make because if you remember, in college basketball, there is no advancing the ball when you call a timeout. So Duke was down by one, and they had to go the length of the full court in order to get a basket, in order to potentially have any shot at winning the game. And a couple of notable performances in this one, Jamal Mashburn, superstar for Kentucky at the time, 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 assists. Uh, Christian Leitner on the other side at 31 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals. And Grant Hill off the bench in this game nearly had a triple-double with 11 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. But he made that last assist count because Kentucky made one of the biggest mistakes in college basketball by not guarding the inbounder, giving Grant Hill a clear path to launch one down the court to Christian Leitner, who caught it with his back facing the basket, took one dribble, and made a smooth fadeaway uh, jump shot with a hand in his face to win the game for Duke to advance them to the Final Four. And this shot was so big for so many reasons because not only did it advance Duke to the Final Four, but if Leitner doesn't make that shot, that's that's one less championship for Leitner and those Duke teams. And that would also be his last college basketball moment. If he misses that shot, 
then people likely remember Christian Leitner for missing that shot, and that's how his college basketball career ended. But instead, he made it, and his, his career continued. Duke went on to win the national championship that year, and as they all say, the rest is history. So if I could, have, if I could travel back in the time, I would definitely go and see that historic moment. If I could travel back in time, I would go to the 1983 National Championship game where the NC State Wolfpack took on the Houston Cougars and NC State coached by Jim Valvano. And there was arguments at the start of the NCAA tournament that NC State should not have been in there due to a weak record on the year. But they made it all the way to the championship where they took on Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon and the Houston Cougars. They were complete underdogs in this game. And NC State was 25-10 and 10 on the year versus Houston, who was 31-2 and 2 on the year. And Derek Wittenberg airballed a three, but Lorenzo Charles Got the rebound. He was right under the basket, and he put it back up for a dunk as time expired. And you see the picture of Jim Valvano running across the court trying to hug somebody. And it was a really big moment in college basketball history. That is probably the moment that I would travel back in time to go see. Moving on to our next question, we both agreed that Kentucky is number one in this category, but other than them, which college has produced the greatest NBA talent? I'm going to go with the UCLA Bruins. Now, obviously, uh, as of late, UCLA has kind of had a you know a down decade. Like uh, they, they weren't the program that they usually are known for during the 2010s. But there's no denying the history that this program has had, and they've had 11 national championships. That's by far the most of all time. And uh, most of those took place in the in the 60s and 70s with Kareem and Bill Walton. But Kareem and Bill Walton are not only the talent, the not the only talented NBA players that this program has produced. They've had. Hall of Famers like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton, like I just mentioned, as well as Indiana Pacers great and Hall of Famer Reggie Miller, and a couple of uh, current perennial All-Stars in Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love, who were teammates with another solid NBA player in Drew Holiday to form a very formidable UCLA team. And uh, Drew's younger brothers, Justin and Aaron, also went to UCLA. And some other notable NBA players that went to UCLA include Zach Levine, Trevor Ariza, Lonzo Ball, um, Aaron Aflalo, Kevon Looney of the Golden State Warriors, Matt Barnes, and then a couple of young, promising players in Norman Powell of the Raptors and Kyle Anderson Anderson of the Memphis Grizzlies. So uh, UCLA's had a, had a, a, a down decade as far as the 2010s go, but they have a very good history and are very good at producing quality NBA talent. I'm going with the North Carolina Tar Heels. They won seven national championships. That's third most all time. With Dean Smith as their coach, they were unbelievable in the 80s with producing great NBA talent. We'll start off with the GOAT, Michael Jordan, who played with James Worthy and Sam Perkins in that time. But they had two number one picks in the NBA draft all time the North Carolina Tar Heels, and that was James Worthy and Brad Darty, who's another big name that went to North Carolina. But a list of names, Vince Carter, 
went to North Carolina with Jerry Stackhouse, Kenny Smith of the Houston Rockets, and Ty Lawson had some great NBA years with the Denver Nuggets. Rasheed Wallace won an NBA championship, and Harrison Barnes, Kobe White, and Danny Green, who is trying to win an NBA championship with the Los Angeles Lakers this year. But Kobe White last year, a really talented young player, and Harrison Barnes won a couple of championships with the Golden State Warriors. So UNC definitely has a lot of talent that they've brought into the NBA. That's all the time we have for this one, though. Thank you for listening to Episode 7 of the Mal and Mud Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast. We'll be back on Friday with Episode 8 and the start of three straight NFL draft shows. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you all then. Thank you.